it will change your life. And as humans, we would rather stay with what we know, even if it's what we don't want, than go into the vast unknown and really actually achieve and create something that we are craving and desiring of. What's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and welcome to episode number eight of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm really excited to have Bree Seely, a life and business coach who has helped hundreds of people evolve out of the life they've been living and open the door to the incredible future waiting for them. She's been featured in places like the Huffington Post, Forbes, Inc., and even the Today Show. Uh, and in this conversation, we got to dive into several really interesting topics. We talked about why meditation is so beneficial and why everyone should develop a meditation practice. We talked about how Brie has been able to get her story and business featured in dozens of places like the ones uh, that you just heard me mention a second ago. And we also talked about how you can build up your mental immune system so that you don't slip into depression when you're experiencing tough times. And I'm really excited for you guys to listen into this interview but before we dive in, I'd love to take a second and highlight another review that we received on iTunes. And this one is from Kay Leach, who says, an awesome podcast, five stars. Uh, Kay says, informative, inspirational, and entertaining. Mikko does an amazing job as an interviewer and host. If you're interested in digital nomadism, remote work, or just need a little inspiration while devising a nine-to-five escape plan, I would definitely recommend you, sus- you subscribe to that remote show. Uh, Thank you so much, Kay. I really appreciate it. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please take a second and leave an honest review. It really goes a long way to helping the podcast reach new listeners and inform them on if it's something they want to check out. And who knows, maybe uh, your review will be featured on the next episode. Uh, So with that, uh, let's dive into this super interesting interview with Bree Seeley. All right. Well, Bree, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so first off, I need to mention how you and I got in touch. Uh, Our mutual friend Heath connected us and he said, Mikko, you absolutely have to talk to Bree. How did you get to know Heath? Um, I believe I got connected to him through a friend of mine who's a publicist. Okay. And I think she recommended me for his podcast, but this was back like, I mean, I think 2015. So I'm, I've known him for quite a while. And um, apparently some of the things that I've said and supported him around have really helped him accelerate his life and uh, do really well for him. So we just have become friends. Oddly enough, we've never met in person. Really? We, yeah, we keep talking about like needing to meet up in one of the corners of the world. I was up near Portland for a little while, which is where he's based out of um, in January, but he happened to be in San Francisco that weekend. Right. But like we, our paths keep kind of like intersecting, but not like we just haven't met yet. So it's on the docket. We're going to meet <laughs> soon, but he's, he's amazing and just super supportive and creative and just, yeah, he's yeah, awesome. And that's uh that's Heath from rage create. If anybody wants to check it out, he's been on the show before. Uh, but yeah, 
when you guys do meet, one of the things that you like know about him, but you don't really realize is just how tall he is. And the first time you meet him, you're like, whoa, you're really tall, you know. But yeah, when he kind of mentioned, you know, who you were and I and I went and I checked out your website, one of the things that I noticed that really piqued my curiosity is that actually you and I have something else in common other than Heath and that's uh, that we have a past in fashion. So oh. when I, yeah, so when I was in college, when I was a sophomore in college, had you asked me what I wanted to do one day, I'd probably have told you that I wanted to be a GQ contributor. So I never, I could never, you know, make clothes, but I was definitely really interested in like style and that kind of stuff. What got you interested in that in the first place? Um, my grandmother taught me how to sew when I was about five. So I was raised oh, cool. by a single mom. And my grandma kind of helped raise me because mm -hmm. she was around. She had given up her teaching career when she started having children. Um, and then obviously when her kids started having kids, she uh, helped take care of a number of us, me included. And so she needed ways to keep us occupied. And she taught me how to sew. Busy. I also have... I have very fair skin, so while the other grandchildren would be allowed to like go outside and play and be in the sun, she kept me inside a lot because I burned mm. very easily. So uh, learned how to sew, would make like Barbie sleeping bags and pillowcases and that kind of stuff. And then as I got into high school, started kind of tailoring my art classes. Like I had to keep an art journal for one of my classes, and everything. I put in that journal was fashion related. Mm. And when I, I went to college a year early and the school happened to have a fashion program. And so I was like, oh, well, I kind of have this free year. I'm just gonna, you know, freshen up on some of my sewing skills and see what else mm -hmm. I can learn. And it just happened that like, you know, one thing led to another and got a bachelor's in fashion design, ended up studying in Italy for two years, wow. got a master's in fashion design, like opened my own brand, uh, had my own label for about, I think it was seven or eight years. And yeah, it was, it was, I thought that it was my path. I totally thought that that's what the universe was like laying down the breadcrumbs to like be a fashion designer. And I, I thought that that's mm -hmm. what it was. Of course, now looking back, was a very, very, very necessary part of my journey, but not the be all end all that I thought it was. Sure. So how did you know, you mentioned that you were in Italy, how long were you there for? Two years, I did a year wow. of undergrad, and then I went back and got my master's as well. So what was that experience? Like, you know, how did that affect your, you know, your your career as a as, you know, somebody in fashion? How did being in Italy for that time affect that? Um, I I don't know necessarily about my career, me as a person, it really opened me up to kind of seeing things from a different perspective. Because up until that time, I got on my first airplane ride I took when I was maybe 19. So oh, wow. I went okay. from going on an airplane for the first time at 19 to moving to Italy when I was 20. Wow. And like, you know, grew up in a super small town, Minnesota, very much like I'm the only person in my family of like my aunts, uncle, cousins, everyone that does not. Well, I'm in Minnesota right now, but only temporary. I don't claim to live here because I just <laughs> I will not. But um, I'm the only one that does not live in the state any longer. And so getting out was huge for me mm. and just seeing the world and what else was out there. You know, my mom hadn't left the country ever until I lived in Italy. And then she came to visit me and like, 
you grow up in these areas where it's just normal. My Uber driver this morning was like, oh my God, I couldn't, I've lived in Minnesota all my life. Like the idea of not living here is so scary to me. And for me, I'm like, oh my God, the idea of continuing to live here is terrifying to me. (laughs) So Italy was more just an expansive point for me. I don't know if it necessarily, I mean, of course, some people were like, oh, you studied in Italy. That's so fancy. And I'm like, it, it's fine. It, you know, it wasn't, it was a fashion school. It was fine. But personally, it was definitely, I think the first light where I was like, oh, I can get out of here. I can leave. There is more available to me than just living in Minnesota for the rest of my life and doing like the status quo thing. Right. Did you like growing up when you were younger, did you already have that feeling of like wanting to get out and like see the world or or was it something where like it happened and and then it kind of triggered that feeling of wanting to, you know, be out more? I always knew. So mm-hmm. right before you started recording, we were talking about I'm moving to Manhattan, right? Like right. this move is 30 plus years in the making. Like ever since I knew what New York was and what city life was. And I've been trying to think back because I'm like, God, how at the age of three, four, five, six, whatever, how would I even have known about New York City, right? Like small town, Minnesota, raised by a single mom. How would I have even understood what New York was? And I used to watch Oliver and Company, the Disney movie when I was little. And I've been wondering, I'm like, is that, is that the thing? that like really sparked, but I really feel like I have known my entire life that I wanted to get out. In fact, I was a pretty miserable, um, high schooler. Like I was really, I was really angsty, but it was, it was more because I just wasn't in alignment. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like a caged bird in my hometown and I just constantly was fighting against it and trying to get out and just trying to like do everything in my power to not be just angry all the time. And I just, I have actually a few years ago went back to my hometown and had like a full blown panic attack where I did feel like I was in a cage and I wanted to rip my skin off. And I didn't really understand at the time what was happening. And then I I really have started processing and digesting a lot of like, it's not, I can now go back and like be okay when I go back. But for so long, it was such a prison for me that, um, yeah, I, I've kind of always known, had that underlying just like discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. I think that with certain people, it's definitely like it's always there. You know, like um, I remember uh, a, a long time ago, I so well, not that long ago, but I was working as a lifeguard and there was a girl who I worked with who uh, like, I had mentioned to her maybe that I was going traveling somewhere. I can't really remember. And she said to me that she had never left Cincinnati where I'm from except to go to like Myrtle Beach and that she just didn't care to leave Cincinnati. And like I I'm listen, I'm all for everybody doing whatever they want to do and whatever makes them happy. But like it's almost like I couldn't like what do you mean you don't are you not curious like what's out out like it just I could not understand that so I definitely think that you you know people like yourself and and, and myself like there's always something there you know that's like burning and that like you you want to go and like see and like you're curious and yeah I, I definitely understand that now how did you because you're not in fashion anymore 
right? You, you're a successful personal coach now. How did that transition happen? Like, uh, you know, you, how did you at you, while you were in fashion, what made you realize that you wanted to become a personal coach and, and, and work in that world? Yeah. So I say that it happened over a long period of time and it also happened almost instantaneously. <laughs> right. So I'd known for a while running my own fashion brand that I wasn't particularly happy and I was bumping up against like barrier after barrier after barrier and like things just weren't working and I think that I would like catch a break and then it would fall apart and I just was I felt like and granted I wasn't as tuned into spirituality when I was running my fashion mm -hmm. brand either and so I just I felt like I was really humaning the whole experience like I was really like not accessing all that was available to me and I could feel it I felt like every single day I was expending all this energy. It was like I was running on a hamster wheel every day trying to like make things happen in my business and my brand. And I would get home at the end of the night feeling like I had nothing to show for it, feeling completely depleted, running on empty all the time, just frustrated and angry and out of alignment. Although I didn't have all these words back then, right? Like this is all hindsight stuff where I'm like, oh, that's what was happening. Like that's where the universe was leading me. I see it now. In the moment, it doesn't feel this like enlightening, right? It feels mm -hmm. like just a, this annoying. and yeah. Yeah, lack of clarity. In fact, I'd had a meditation where I was in this fog and I was like driving a car and I was surrounded by all these other cars. I was living in LA at the time, right? So it was like being on the, you know, the 10 lane freeway right. of like everyone stopped. And this fog was like around everyone's cars, but I could see all these brake lights all around me. And that's what it felt like. It felt like I was trapped. It felt like I had nowhere to go, didn't even know where to go, was just being faced by all these stops all yeah. around me. And so that had been happening for probably, I don't know, 18 months or so. And then I went to a meditation. Um, spring equinox is always a really poignant day for me. Like I moved to LA. That was my move date, 2013, moving on spring equinox, 2014. I don't remember if anything happened. 2015 is when I went to this meditation on spring equinox and just this beautiful meditation at a friend's house and received a very clear message. Fashion is not it. Mm. Shut it down. Walk away. And how did so you, how, like, how did that message come? Because I'm not very, I would say, uh, you know, like, like you said, like spiritually connected, I, I do meditate, but more for like anxiety to control anxiety and that kind of stuff. But how did you like receive that? Like, what did that feel like? Like it described to me that moment. It was, um, so I was just in, in kind of like a space of nothingness. It was a guided mm -hmm. meditation. There was a woman holding space for us. Um, and, I just heard this very clear message. So mm. granted, this doesn't happen to me all the time. But when you're in a regular frequent state of meditation, I feel like it's easier to access those things. And, you know, I fully believe in the universe, archangels, higher selves, like all these things and, and you know, infinite intelligence, essentially, right. And so I had just put myself into a place where I was in the space to be able to hear the truth. And it came, I, I explained it a little bit, like it was almost like Thor's hammer, right, where it just like dropped. And it was just this like, 
heavy, but not like heavy as like a burden, just like this, like, boom. And that's like, that was the feeling of it. And because it felt like that, and I could feel it in my body, and it was so clear, right? Not all the messages we get in meditation are super clear. But that one was so concise, definitive. to the point, definitive, mm-hmm. clear, you know, fashion's not it, shut it down. And so I walked away from that meditation on a Saturday. And announced the following Tuesday or Wednesday that I was closing my fashion brand. Did you know what and you were going to do at that point? No, I you just closed it down and said, I'm going to figure it out. Wow. Well, and I didn't even, I hadn't even decided I was going to figure it out. I was just like, oh, well, if fashion's not it. And, <laughs> and to be honest too, right? Like, so, so like I said, it was a long time coming and it happened instantaneously it, yeah. because it was a long time coming. I think that message was simply an invitation for me to really look at the truth of what had been going on. It looks like it was overnight. It wasn't overnight. This was a feeling I had been bumping up against for 18 months. And so it was almost like getting that message was permission for me to like finally felt like an exhale. And it was like, oh, my God, I can finally let go. Yeah, it, it very often it feels so like this. Yeah, it, sometimes it feels like the things that are overnight rarely are right like we talk about like overnight successes and that rarely are people who look like overnight successes really overnight successes so yeah there's normally a lot of stuff that like build up and build up and build up and yeah so what did you do next like like what were your next steps so conveniently enough um two days prior to that i had just hired a coach okay and I had hired her thinking, oh, yeah, she's going to help me with my fashion brand. Well, obviously, that was not the case anymore. Is it a and business so coach the, or a life coach? She was kind of a combination of both. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, I just had this opening. Like, I, I just had all this space because I was like, oh, well, I'm shutting down my business. So I can cut like the world is my oyster. What am I going to do? And and a year prior, I had begun writing for Huffington Post, and I had put together a collection of interviews with 99 women around the world, talking about, you know, what it meant to them to be a woman and why they loved being women. And so there were there was momentum already going, but I didn't see it that way. I thought that that writing and that project was going to funnel back into my fashion, right? So there were kind of all these moving puzzle pieces and bits and things and this massive clearing. And then once that clearing happened, I just had all this space to be like, well, what do I actually want to do? And I had, at the same time I was building my fashion business, I had a day job. And so I had been a vocational rehabilitation counselor for eight years. And I was helping people who had been injured on the job get back into the workforce. And if they couldn't get back into the workforce based on their skill set and their physical limitations from their injury, I would help get them retrained. So I had like an electrician get retrained as an accountant. I had another electrician get retrained as a computer-aided drafter. And I would help them essentially like build a new life for themselves. And at the time, I hated the job. Again, when you're in it, it's so hard. Like, it sounds really poignant and poetic right now. It was not poignant and poetic. I was pissed off every day. I hated my life. I hated my job. I hated 90% of my clients. And it was perfect. Because now I look back and I'm like, oh, right. I'm not a new coach, right? Like when I when I started coaching, I was like, oh, I'm a new coach who would hire me, blah, blah, blah. I have eight years of experience mm, counseling people on yeah. how to build their lives. Like this is 
what I was built for. This is this is what I'm here for. Um, and so I started, you know, really looking at, oh, I have eight years of entrepreneur experience. I have eight years of counseling experience. I have this voice. People connect with me. People think I'm inspirational. They come to me for mentorship and guidance. And so maybe this is the next step. And then little by little things started compounding on itself. So, you know, I was coaching and then added in a podcast with a friend at the time and then added in shortly after that was like, oh, I'm writing a book now. And and then after that, it was like, oh, I need my own podcast. And then I started speaking on stages. And then, you know, I'm working on my second book right now. And like, things have just really unfolded the more that I continue taking steps forward. So there was no plan. I didn't conceptualize any of this. It's just happened. And I just keep being in flow with it, showing up when I need to show up, um, seeing, you know, what pivots and moves and changes I need to be making in my life and just am basically in flow with life and business and the universe every day. Yeah, you said, you know, that when you were to bring you back a little bit, when you said that you were, you know, meditating and you were in a fog and that kind of stuff, what initially sparked you to begin meditating in the first place? Like what what made you what set you down on that path of, of doing that? When I first got hired to be a vocational rehabilitation counselor, my boss at the time, I joke, I, t- I call her my um, spiritual gateway drug because <laughs> we shared an office and I'd be like, I was having food allergy issues and she would be like, oh, you're not feeling well. Here is a tincture. Oh, your, your energy's a little off. Here, hold this rock right? Mm-hmm. It's crystal at the time. I didn't know what they were. I got in a car accident and she bought me a yoga mat. I like little by little, she introduced me to her Reiki person. She introduced me to her Rolfer, like little by little by little, just all these things she would, you know, kind of just like place in my path. And, and so a friend of hers was starting a, um, a 12 week training and she invited me to go. It was called light club and we would get together and kind of discuss, you know, spiritual principles and all these things. And that's the first time I meditated. And it felt really good. And I didn't really understand it or do it purposefully. It was just kind of like how we closed out our meetings and didn't start meditating on my own for quite a while after that. I would go to other people's meditations, but on my own time, I didn't do any of the meditation stuff. I think I really got serious about meditation. It was in 2015. I read The Miracle Morning. Um, I met Hal. We were at a conference together Mm -hmm. and uh, got to interview him for my podcast and just really kind of started taking it seriously and, and upping my yoga practice as well and really starting to find my own morning flow. And the more I did it, the more I started realizing like how important it was to be in union with infinite intelligence, the universe, God, whatever you call it, every single day. And so that's when I I developed my morning practice and now teach people to do it as well, because it's just really important if you're not, I treat the universe, my relationship with the universe, like any other important relationship in my life. If I want if I want the universe to show up for me in my life and business, I have to show up for it. Like I need to build that relationship by being in communication with it. I, you know, if you had, if you were starting to date someone new, what would you do? Would you tell them you didn't have five minutes for them on any given day? Or would you show up and like get to know them and spend time with them? So that's kind of how I view my connection with the universe. And over the last 10 
maybe it's been more than that. Maybe it's been about 12 years that I've been meditating just, yeah, has unfolded and grown and evolved. Yeah, I am. So meditation has always been like, I mean, not always since I kind of got into entrepreneurship and remote work, like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those topics that's in, in that field, but I didn't really start meditating until this time last year when, um, I had a a business project that I had relied on and it failed and I got in this like really bad spot. And, uh, my girlfriend bought me, um, the book 10% happier. I think by Dan Harris. I don't know if that's correct. Um, and reading that really helped me understand what meditation is. So for those people who maybe don't know or have never been around it, why should somebody, you know, start meditating? Even even if they're not, you know, um, as involved as you are, why should the regular person sort of, you know, start a, a meditation practice? Yeah, I mean, there's so many benefits to it, right? Like it reduces stress, it gives you a clearer mind, it really kind of untangles some of the emotional mess that we get ourselves into. Um, And so for me, I'll just, you know, give you an example. I've been on Facebook a little bit lately, seeing people being like, oh, you know, 2019 is not a great year so far. And January, it was like, feels like 200 years long. And you know, all people are facing all this stuff. And so I, I dedicated this year, I'm doing the same meditation. And I originally committed to it for 40 days, I've surpassed the 40 day mark. And now I'm committed to 120 days. And things are flowing for me so easily. Like, Mm -hmm. if you, if you're bumping up against things in your life, I swear to God, start meditating, because this year has been incredible for me. Things have been coming out of the woodwork. I'm so aligned. I am so in flow. Even when I face up against something that's not ideal, I'm able to see it more clearly for what it is instead of getting sucked into the emotional vortex of feeling sorry for myself and, you know, all of the, the habits and patterns we do. So I don't know. All I can say is it's working. It works really well for me. So if you haven't, try it. I mean, we don't, you don't know until you give it a shot. And to everyone that says, oh, well, I can't meditate. That's bullshit. Everyone can meditate. In fact, I think it's our, it's actually our innate state of being is Mm -hmm. meditation. Um, so, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, I just have too many thoughts. Well, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like you're not going to be able to slow down your thoughts until you start meditating. So just start. I think a lot of people don't start because it will change your life. And as humans, we would rather stay with what we know, even if it's what we don't want, than go into the vast unknown and really actually achieve and create something that we are craving and desiring of. Yeah, I think um, like I like resisted starting to meditate because I'm one of those people like I have a million thoughts running through my head at all times of the day, all times of night. Um, and I was like, there's no way that I, I don't, I didn't understand this whole, like quieting your mind down. Like, how do you, like, there was, I was just like, there's no way. Right. And somebody explained it to me as, and correct me if this is wrong, but the, the way somebody explained it to me that made sense for me was that it's like, um, it's, it's a rep, right? So it's not about clearing your mind completely. It's about like recognizing that your mind has drifted and then bringing it back and that's one rep. And if you can get even like one or two reps in like a 10, 20 minute session, then you've done enough, you know, and you'll build up. Is is that like a correct way of looking at it? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. And, and you know, I, I hear people say that meditation is about getting rid of all your thoughts. We're human. Like, there's mm. really no, your brain is what it is. It's like a hard drive of a computer, right? Like, there's, we can't shut our, we can't put our brains to sleep like we do with our laptops. It right. just doesn't work that way. Um, so you just have to, it's less about being rid of thoughts and more about being aware of your thoughts and being mm. conscious of your thoughts. And then when you're conscious of them, when you've done the process to start slowing things down, then you get to start making different decisions. You know, I just bumped up against something three days ago that probably usually would have spun me into like this vast abyss of like nonsense. And I could see it starting to happen. I could see my mind wanting to go into that place of like, well, it didn't happen like it was supposed to happen. Then what about this? And what about that? And da -da -da -da. Mm -hmm. like, I could see my mind wanting to go there. And instead of engaging with it, I was able to step back and be like, oh, interesting. Look mm -hmm. at my mind doing that thing that it wants to do. I have a choice now. Do I want to engage with that? Do I want to spend my time and energy worrying and obsessing and compulsively just like thinking about this stuff that I can't do anything about anyways? Or am I going to choose to remember and know my truth and continue to move forward in the world with that, knowing that that's going to create better results for me in the end anyways? And so when you're in meditation, it does, it, it helps really strengthen your ability to I think be in more control, although I hate that word, um, of your life and your experience because you're not letting your brain be in the driver's seat of your life. You are in the driver's seat of your life. Mm, how do you feel that, you know, your your meditation practice and, and the amount of time that you've spent building that, if I might call it muscle up, um, quote unquote, how do you feel that that has helped you with your current business and your brand? Because I think that you've done a phenomenal job from what I can see. And, and, you know, the little bit that we've interacted so far can see from you, you have a very strong personal brand. How do you, do you feel like there is a connection between your meditation practice and, you know, the achievements that you've been able to do on, on that front? I absolutely do. In fact, I can see if I go back and look at like, you know, say money, right? I money is just a really good indicator of like sure. business and where yeah. you're at. Right. And I can always tell that I have a spike in income when I am consistently in my meditative practice. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that as humans, we have a very limited perspective of, of we can only really conceptualize the things that are like in our current sphere. Whereas if we're opening up and tapping into infinite intelligence, if everything in our world is made from the one thing and that one thing is infinite intelligence, it has such a bigger, broader perspective than we as humans could ever possess. So I'll have ideas and thoughts come to me in meditation that I'm like, I never could have gotten there on my own. And I've always been really purposeful and clear about I don't want, even when I was in fashion, I didn't want to have a fashion brand the same way everyone else had a fashion brand. I don't want to have a coaching brand the same way everyone else has a coaching brand. What do you mean by that? I, so there's a lot of, like when I was in fashion, everyone's like, you're doing it wrong. 
And I said, excuse me? And they're like, as, as a fashion person, you need to go intern at a house and then you need to go work at someone else's house and then, you know, build your way up and then you can launch your own brand. Like I skipped all that stuff and just went straight into building my own brand. And I would look at those things and be like, that's not my path. I fully believe that each and every one of us has our own unique path. And if we're trying to just emulate or replicate someone else's path, it is not going to get us to the destination that we are capable of reaching. Mm. So I have known forever, I don't want to build a coaching brand the same way everyone else is building a coaching brand. In fact, I had someone last week say to me, um, she's, she was had been on my website and she's like, you're very different from any other coach. She's like, every other coach's website that I've been to is literally the same, like, templated thing, right? right. And ev- they all talk the same. They all present the same. They all have the same images. They, like, they all look the same. And she's like, you're very different. And I'm like, yeah, because if I'm not being true to myself and my path, I'm never going to reach my peak. I'm yeah. going to get to someone else's peak and then look at my peak and be like, but that's this is not where I wanted to go. Mm, yeah, being so, on your being on your website, it's breezeely.com, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, you can definitely tell that you have a past in fashion. Like it's very put together, <laughs> it's very well presented. There's like color plays. So, you can definitely see that, you know, on the website. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah and and even like my my voice and what I say and the way I say it mm-hmm. is very me because right. and I've had people be like, oh, well, your sales pages aren't right. And I'm like, no, I can't. I need to do me. And me doing me means that I need to be tapping into my truth and my higher power and receiving my guidance because otherwise I'm just trying to do life the way other people have. And that just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Do you think that there is still a place for people to emulate in some ways, right? Like, so for example, one of the things that I do is I, there's certain entrepreneurs that I really look up to. So I will go and I will try to see what they're doing and like reverse engineer some of the things that they do. Do you think that there's still a place for that? Or do you think that like you need to figure out your, your way and kind of like do it your way? For me, it's a combination because, of course, you know, like I can't download everything from Infinite Intelligence, right? Like there are some things that I just need to. I took a course last year to learn how to develop an opt-in and, you know, have some sort of online training. And like so some of those things. But what's made me succeed with it is that I looked at their like templates And would feel into what of this works with me? What of this is aligned for me? Where can I drop in my unique positioning? Where can I drop in my messaging? I actually had someone from the course message me and be like, this has not been a success for me at all. She's like, I'm doing every single thing they're telling me to do. And I'm like, well, there has to be something in it that's just not aligned for you. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out what that is. So like this one teaches, you know, they teach an opt-in and followed by a an evergreen webinar, followed by like this email sequence and all this stuff. And there's just some of it. I don't I don't have an evergreen webinar. I tried it. Didn't work for me. I can, you know, when I have live webinars, people connect with me and they get it and they're in and it's a totally different experience. And so I just I take 
the ideas and the the structures and stuff that other that have worked for other people. And then I really have to filter it down to be like, what of this feels good for me? What of this is aligned for me? What of this, like, I'll even rearrange the webinar stuff because yes, there's a psychological flow that goes into webinars and blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, if I'm feeling out of alignment with it while I'm delivering it, people are going to pick up on that. Right. So, so yes, that it is good to look to other people and see what they're doing. But then the, the secondary question always becomes now what's my way? Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely like also, you know, doing things your way and putting your, your spin on, on things can attract the right people to you. Right. Like when you said that, you know, there's, you know, personal coaches always have like the same website and it's true. Like I can, I can just picture it in my head. There's a Buddha somewhere on there. There's like a star (laughs) map or something. I can just picture it. And your website is different, right? It it's much more, I would say, like minimalistic put together. There's there's a, an an image that you're promoting, and that can be really attractive to someone else who then could be, you know, your perfect client or or whatever. So yeah, if you do have a brand, you don't have to feel like you have to fit into what everybody else is doing in that niche. Like people should be free to put on their their own personal spin. You mentioned a little bit earlier about having worked on Huffington Post. And another one of the things that I noticed on your website, other than, you know, how well it looks, is that you probably have more, you know, like featured in, you know, like you have a bigger featured in section than probably anybody else that I've seen. I mean, I'm looking just looking out here, you know, you have the Today Show, you have Forbes, Huffington Post, uh, Inc. How were you able to do that? You know, like what is the... Like, did you have a strategy going forth with that? Like, how have you been able to put together this list of places that you've been featured on? So one of the things with having my fashion brand that I'm really grateful for having had it is that I got to, I call it my entrepreneurial training wheels, that business, Mm. because I learned so much about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. You know, a lot of people start, say like coaches, because it's just an easy example. They start coaching and they're like, well, I just, I'm just a coach. I just coach. And I'm like, yes, but you're also a business owner. And as a business owner, that means you need to be an accountant and you need to be a web designer. And you, unless you have money to hire all those people straight out the gate, which most people don't, you need to learn PR, you need to learn publicity, you need to learn pitching and mark, like you have to learn it all. And so I got to learn so much of that having a fashion brand. I had a publicist um, for several years during my fashion um, brand. And then also I did a boot camp with Phoenix fashion week. They had an emerging designer boot camp, And one of the things they still, to this day, I believe I'll have to check with him, but I won in 2012. So seven years ago. And he, he still, when he teaches the boot camp, the PR thing, I hold like the record for the most number of press release placements of any designer that's ever gone wow. through their boot camp. And so I just learned really early on, what does it mean to pitch yourself to someone? What does it mean? Like, how does it, how do you need to pitch yourself in order for people to be like, yeah, one, that person has value. Two, they have value we can use. Three, like, I really want to have them on, you know, the show, the Mm -hmm. feature, whatever. Um, And so I just learned what it took and I have pitched myself incessantly. You know, the good news is now, um, well, actually, pause quickly. So I think that that's a misnomer for a lot of people is that they think that people just reach out to them. Like, yeah, 
yes, the Today Show found me, but it was because I had reached out to Ariana Huffington Mm. and she asked me to start writing. And I wrote a super vulnerable piece that went viral, right? So when I got on KTLA in, in LA, I pitched myself. When I got on the show in Fresno last year, I pitched myself. I did, um, around here, I did Milwaukee, Minneapolis, and Fargo last year. All of those mm. I pitched. I, like, you just, you have to put yourself out there. A lot of, I think people just have this idea that like, oh, well, I just have to sit around and wait until they call me. No, 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 mm. no, no. They're out there looking for you. You have to be the one to, and and more than anything too, it's about building relationships as well. Press is yeah. like really building relationships. So I just figured out how to do it pretty early on in my career and just kept pitching and reaching out and it yeah. just worked. And then now I'm, I'm pretty, I'm kind of at the point where like people are finding me, like I just got an email from a CBS show, uh, I'm speaking with them later today about recording an, uh, a segment with them. So like now it's now it's coming to me. I'm investing in a publicity course in New York in May that will then help me. But then I'm I'm hiring them to kind of do it for me after mm, that. Yeah. If you guys are hearing some purring, by the way, it's because uh, Bree's very Kitty. cute cat has joined the Mine's somewhere around here somewhere, but yeah. So I've been gone for nine days and I got home yesterday and she was like, oh my God. Hello, yeah. And I sit down, she's super, super lovey and cuddly. And so I sat down and she immediately just like nuzzled her little head in oh. my chest and like did the little thing where she put her paws on me, but then she would like clench them a little bit. She was just so happy. So she's very excited that I'm home and that I have two hands and that I'm doting on her. How, um... <laughs> So you said that you are one of the top people in that course on on you know like pu- publicity and stuff. How what did you do to be the the top person in that course? Like what what were the things that you used to get on so many places? Oh, uh, for Phoenix Fashion Week. So Correct, yeah. one of one of the things that I did is when you're pitching yourself, you need to give them, I think a lot of people think like, well, I'm amazing. They're just going to care about me. Mm-hmm. It's not true. And I, I hate to say that, like they don't care about you. They care about what you can do for their people and their readers and their listeners and their watchers. So when I was pitching places, I would customize it to, to who I was pitching. So I didn't just send out. So at the time I was living in Seattle, but I'd gone to college in North Dakota, but I grew up in Minneapolis, but the thing was in Phoenix, right? So if I had sent out a Seattle fashion designer press release to Minneapolis, the people would have gotten it and been like, okay, but why should we care, right? So I sent out, every press release I sent out was different. You know, I would send out a press release to all the Seattle people being like Seattle fashion designer competes in Phoenix Fashion Week. I would send, you know, the Phoenix Fashion Week ones uh, it was something like new emerging designer competing at Phoenix Fashion Week. The Minneapolis ones were, you know, hometown Minnesota girl competes in Phoenix Fashion Week. You know, North Dakota State University graduate competes in Phoenix Fashion Week. Kappa Delta alumni competes in Phoenix Fashion Week. So I made sure to tailor them all so that the people would care about the story. So 
more often than not, it's about niching them into certain things. This, again, assuming you're not getting on, like, the Today Show and Good Morning America and stuff like that. Like, that's a whole different um, whole different ball game. But in terms of local stuff, that's really easy. When I was pitching um, in Fargo for, last year, it was, like, NDSU graduate pens best-selling book, right? Or you know, hometown Minnesota girl pens best-selling book. It was, it's very niched and very specific because they need a reason to care about you. If you just send them like, there's best-selling books getting released every single day. Yeah. Why should they care about yours? This one, yeah. What is, uh, you, you know, you, you talked about the titles uh, and, and then you mentioned press releases. So uh, I'm going to do what every podcaster has been told not to do and ask two <laughs> questions at once. Okay. So number one, what exactly is the difference between a press release and me just reaching out to, you know, somebody who writes for a magazine or, you know, works for a radio show? And then also, what are the parts of a press release? So you mentioned the titles, but what else do you include when you send out these press releases? So a lot of, especially with like newspapers and things like that, a lot of, um, and I, I, Bless all the reporters out there. I'm really sorry to say this. I'm, I'm not trying to like beg on you at all, but um, they're lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. so really, honestly, like when I sent all those press releases out in 2012, they literally just published them word for word for word. They didn't reach out to me. They didn't ask any follow up questions. They just took the press release I sent them and put it in the newspaper. So you're right? basically writing like the story for them. Plus or minus for that one. Yes. And, and there's, you have to figure out to when it's good to send a press release and when it's better to send a pitch. So, mm. and sometimes you do both in the same email. So it just really depends. And you just kind of have to know your audience and know what they're looking for. And if you're doing, so for example, the pitch, um, the pitches that I sent for the TV segments were, they included a press release. But then they also had, you know, Brie would love to come in. The one in Minneapolis I did was spring cleaning for the soul because it was mm. in April, May yeah. timeframe. So it was timely. So that was a little bit more of a pitch. But we did include a press release in it just for some basic information. So it was things like, um, you know, Brie Seely, born in Northfield, Minnesota, grew up, you know, went to college in Minneapolis, blah, blah, blah. Um, just some preliminary basic info that they'll pull from then when they start writing the segment. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to give them as much information up front so that they don't have to go in and try to find it. Yeah. And that's really, I think, what the press release is for. Typically, press releases have the headline and then a beginning, uh, like the beginning paragraph, although it's usually only a sentence or two is kind of like the high level overview of what's going to be contained. Mm -hmm. Then the press release will go into a little bit more detail. And then at the end, I think it's called a boilerplate is like your bio and where to reach out to you and who to contact in terms of setting up and scheduling the interview. Mm, okay. So, but that's all, I mean, honestly, Google it. Yeah. The, I mean, like that's where I got my templates to write my press releases back in 2012 is like, Google has so much information and so much knowledge, literally just Google press release template and 
it's mm-hmm. there for you. There's also things like you could put together a one sheet if you were feeling really inspired that has a ton of information on it. Um, there's also best practices in terms of pitching. Again, you want to make it about them. You want to make it about their audience. You want to make it about what what are they going to gain from mm-hmm. having you as a guest or a contributor or a writer or an article or whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's definitely something to check out because I know – you know, that can, and you said that you would handle things like the Today Show differently, but all of those little things kind of like, I feel like build up to that, right? Like if you've done a bunch of smaller interviews that shows the bigger networks or whatever that you know what you're doing, that you know how to communicate, how to present yourself, and then they would be much more likely to take you on. You know, yeah. I feel like if we were to end the interview right now, people would already get a ton of value, but I would... <laughs> I have to, I feel like we need to talk about mental health in general. Um, you just mentioned, you know, spring cleaning for your mind, I think you called it. Entrepreneurs um, and remote workers deal with a lot of anxiety and, and stress. And um, I think there's been a lot more that I've been reading or noticing about this topic recently. Uh, but I still feel like it's something that's kind of taboo and not really talked about. Uh, people are not really trained on how to deal with that. And I know about that from personal experience. Like I said, you know, I, I struggled with depression about a year ago. Um, luckily, I was able to get out of it, I guess you would say. But how can somebody prepare themselves? How can somebody deal with anxiety better on a day-to-day basis? And then how can, if you start to feel yourself slip into a negative space, how can you get yourself out? Yeah. So I think my top two tips for this, um, really one we've talked a lot about is meditation. Like I see depression and, and believe me, I have had my fair share of, in fact, this time last year, I was in a massive, I was not in a great place. And, um, you know, I remember in 2013, I think like I've had multiple, episodes of it where I just want to stay in bed all the time and, you know, just watch Netflix and just really not live. And so meditation is definitely something that helps me see the truth. Because for me, I can see that I spin into depression when it looks like the world around me isn't matching up to my desires. And because of that chasm, it's really, it can be hard to maintain your vision and maintain your motivation and maintain all those things when the quote unquote proof that you're getting from the world around you is is not telling the same story. And so I know that was something I would have expectations. I would have all these things about where I was supposed to be and I wasn't there yet. And why wasn't I there yet? And I was failing compared to everyone else and so much self-criticism and judgment and meditation really helps me to see the bigger picture. Because like I said, you know, the infinite intelligence oneness can see so much more than the sliver of life that we're available to. This is how I usually describe it to people. You, you've been to like see a, a show or a play or, or something, right? Yes, so like I've been, last I've been night. dragged to a few of those by my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So even last night, right? I went to see Elton John last night. Oh, Fucking wow. phenomenal show, like best show ever. <laughs> it was so good. That man is like unbelievable. And you know, on stage, you could see the lights and you could see Elton and you could see his two guitar players and his three percussionists and all that stuff. And then that's all you can see, right? And it looks 
magical. There's lights everywhere. There was confetti at one point. There was smoke. There was lasers. There was like all this stuff happening. But we can only see Elton and the band and the lights. That's like the human perspective, right? That's all you can see. When I know full well, I used to be in theater, I know full well, there were probably a hundred plus people behind the scenes because he would run off at one point and run back on with a new outfit on, right? Like, so he had dressers backstage. He had people controlling and calling the light cues. He had people, the stage like opened up at one point and moved and shifted and all these things. And people would bring out new guitars and like, that's the universal perspective, right? So when we're in a place where we can only see what we see, we can't understand that behind the scenes, the universe is is changing and manipulating and supporting and helping and dropping in all these things. And so for me, meditation really helps open up to that, that like there's so much more going on than I can currently see. And for me to base my happiness and my mood and my life experience essentially with me having blinders on is just a really limited way to live life. And so meditation helps me access the bigger picture, which has helped me get out of many depressive episodes. The other thing that has helped me get a great community around you, like Mm, have people that you can call on Valentine's day last year. I was I I am actually surprised I left the house that day and I went to go see two of my best friends and they just loved me so hard and showed me the truth and really held space for me to be where I was, but also to see past it. And like coming up on Sunday, I have a catch up call with a girlfriend and I said, do you know that this is the one year anniversary of the catch up call we had last year when you really helped me get through what I was going through? Have people, and not just any people, be picky about Mm. who you surround yourself with. You want people who have similar goals as you, who have similar ambitions as you, who, for example, like not that lifeguard girl who wanted to stay in Cincinnati for the rest of her life. Because she's going to give you perspectives around staying in Cincinnati for the rest of your life, which is not your path or your trajectory. Mm. So surround yourself with people that love you unconditionally that only want to see the best in you, that push you to see past your current limitations and who believe in you so fiercely that you then can't not believe in yourself. And of course, do the same for them, right? Mm. Like have those people in your life, have a list of at least 10 people that you can call at a moment's notice to help you remember your truth. Because I am of the belief that depression is not your truth. It is an experience that we have. It is not your truth. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to second the community. That is one of the most important investments, if I can call it that, that I've done for myself is to just find my group of people and and like I mean Heath for example right like we're both in the location indie community which for me like I've surrounded myself with tons of other people who are either already location independent running their own businesses or want to be and you just you know they all know what you're going through and you can be like hey I'm struggling with this thing and then 10 people chime in they're like oh dealt with it too like you'll get past it you know so yeah I community is just one of the most important things and I mean there's that quote that everybody likes to say that you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with the most. And I find that that's a hundred percent like true. 
Now, what do you do in your business? Because I know that you're a life coach. And if somebody's interested in being coached by you, what can they expect? Like, what is that like? Yeah, so I help people. Most people that come to me have an idea of something that they want for their life, whether it be a business, just a life experience, whatever, um, that they're just not currently living. And so the biggest question that people come to me with is, okay, Brie, I know exactly where I am. I know, or at least have some sense of where I want to be, but how do I get there? Mm. And so I really help people make the transition between all sorts of things, whether it be, you know, a terrible job that's uninspiring and not paying you enough into the job of your dreams that utilizes your zone of genius and pays you more money, whether it's being an employee and transitioning into being an entrepreneur. Um, I do actually have a client right now who is not location independent and and will be location independent by the end of the year. Um, Lots of people who are developing businesses or have had struggling businesses and want to really kick ass at them. And so that's those are, you know, I help people through transitions and really help them take the leap from where they are into where they want to be. Mm. And if anybody wants to be coached by you, where can they go to your website and find all the information? Yeah, absolutely. On my website, I believe there's a coaching tab. Um, and then I just have people complete an intake form to see if I'm even someone that can help them if I'm aligned with what they're looking for, um, looking at whether, you know, my group program or private coaching would be better. Mm -hmm. And once I review the intake form, then we look at getting on the phone, either with me or a member of my team, and then kind of go from there. Gotcha. And you have a book out as well, right? What is that book and where can people find it? My first book is called Permission to Leap. It's available on Amazon, either in paperback, um, audio or Kindle. Uh, it was a great book. Like I said, I'm in the process of working towards my second book now, which is also very exciting. Thank you. And um, yeah, but that first book, it's a good one. I've gotten a lot of good, positive feedback. And I think mm-hmm. Heath's review of it is like the top review on the <laughs> Amazon page. So I can only imagine what Heath's review is like. <laughs> That's, awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, where can people find out more about you? You have your website. Are you anywhere on social media? I am everywhere on social media. Okay. I love Instagram. That is like leaving fashion. I was like, okay, I still need a creative outlet. Like I'm a right. visual person. What? So Instagram is kind of my like visual art medium that sure. I just love. I get that. Uh, so Instagram also spend probably too much time on Facebook. I do have a Twitter presence, but I mostly use it for political stuff. Uh, mm. So keeping up on, you yeah. know, what's happening with politics and stuff. It's right. a good good source. So, um, yeah, all the places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I think people are going to find this super, super helpful. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me again. Thank you for holding the space and for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.